The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the hype, and winners, the rankings. Today, we will discuss the 1973 college football season and the race to number one. In 1973, that was the year that the U.S. troops withdrew from Vietnam. That was the year of Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court. Watergate hearings had begun. There was wounded knee. Billy Jean King versus Bobby Riggs. And the college football season was played coming off two stellar seasons. 1971 matched the game of the century, arguably two of the greatest teams college football ever saw, the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Oklahoma Sooners. What followed in 1972 was the USC Trojans, a team that many feel is the greatest college football team they've ever seen. John McKay, Woody Hayes, all put him in that category. But this podcast is about the 1973 season, the season that followed. Notre Dame went on to win the national championship. John Capaletti, well, he won the Heisman. Michigan and Ohio State played to a stunning tie. This was the season of Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler, Paul Bear Bryant, Ara Parsegian, Joe Paterno, Archie Griffin, Tom Clemens, Woody Green, John Hicks, Joe Washington. The Selman brothers, Leroy, Dewey, and Lucius. And at season's end, after the bowl games, dust had settled, six teams still remained undefeated. Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State, and Miami of Ohio. And a seventh-team, Alabama, that easily could have been national champions. This is the story of the 1973 football season and the unbearably close college football race to number one. Now, the preseason polls had USC number one. That makes sense. They were coming off that incredible 72 team. Ohio State was two. Texas was three. Nebraska was four. Michigan was five. Alabama, six. Penn State, seven. Notre Dame, eight. And somewhere around number 12 was Oklahoma. Uh, Miami of Ohio, they were not ranked. Well, in week three, Southern Cal, who was number one, faced number eight, Oklahoma. And... The result was a 7-7 tie. Now, kind of a spoiler alert here, Oklahoma's only game where they didn't win all season was that 7-7 tie against number one USC. Please remember that as we go forward. But the result of that game had an effect on the standings because the next week, all of a sudden, Ohio State was number one, Nebraska number two, Alabama three, Southern Cal four, Michigan five, Oklahoma now six, Penn State seven, Notre Dame, eight, and Miami of Ohio, still not in the polls. Now, all of these rankings I'm giving you are the AP rankings, by the way. In week five, Nebraska lost to number 12, Missouri. So what followed was a shuffling yet again 
of the polls. So going into week six, Ohio State was one, Alabama two, Oklahoma three, Michigan four, Penn State five, Southern Cal six, Missouri seven, Notre Dame eight. And it was this week when Miami of Ohio at 5-0 finally enters the top 20 at number 20. Well, in week seven, Missouri lost to Colorado. So in week eight, now all of a sudden, the top teams have taken shape. It was number one, Ohio State, number two, Alabama, number three, Oklahoma, number four, Michigan, number five, Notre Dame, number six, Penn State. And Miami of Ohio had climbed to number 16 in the nation. All of these teams were undefeated, and save for Oklahoma's one tie against Southern Cal, they were all undefeated and untied. So fast forward to season's end, November 24th, 1973. One more time, all of these teams were still undefeated. Ohio State was number one at 9-0, Alabama number two at 9-0, Oklahoma number three at 8-0-1, Michigan number four at 10-0, Notre Dame number five at 8-0, and Penn State, number six at 10-0. Miami of Ohio, they had snuck up to number 15. They were 10-0. So November 24th, 1973, and it was the Michigan-Ohio State game that pitted number one against number four. This game was a defensive game for the ages. This was a time when Ohio State had led the nation in scoring defense, 4.3 points per game, and they faced the number two scoring defense, Michigan, 6.2 points per game. Every yard was contested. Every block was looked at and analyzed. This was when real men played real football and every inch was contested. The game was 10 to 10. And with the last minute and 10 seconds of the game, Michigan missed a pair of field goals. Despite what many observers felt was a dominating performance by Michigan, the game ended in a 10 to 10 tie. Well, in that game, quarterback Dennis Franklin from Michigan had broken his collarbone. So, Ohio State and Michigan finished in a 10-10 tie. There was a vote the next day. The athletic directors of the Big Ten voted Ohio State into the Rose Bowl game. Many thought it was because of that broken collarbone that Dennis Franklin had endured. Before we get to the bowl games, let's talk a little bit about the season as a whole. Jesse Friedis of San Diego State led the nation in passing with 2,993 yards. As far as running backs were concerned, Mark Keller of Northern Illinois led the nation with 1,719 yards. Number two, you ask, Tony Dorsett. Number three, Archie Griffin. Number four, Roosevelt Leagues. And number five, John Capaletti. It was John Capaletti who'd go on to win the Heisman Trophy that year. Number two in the voting, stunningly, was an offensive tackle, John Hicks from Ohio State. And the voting was followed by Roosevelt Leaks, running back from Texas, David James, the quarterback from Kansas, and Archie Griffin, number five, tailback from Ohio State. Kermit Washington led the league in rushing yards per game at 7.5. Now, remember when Barry Sanders had that all-world all year in 1988, he was rushing at 7.6 yards per carry. And Kermit Washington, 7.5. Phenomenal year for him. Mark Gow of Illinois intercepted 10 passes that season. And now for the team performances. The rushing offense was led by UCLA at 400 yards per game. San Diego State led the passing offense with 305 yards per game. And Arizona State led the nation in yards per game, 565.5. But as far as scoring offense was concerned, it was Arizona State, UCLA, and Alabama third, followed by Penn State fourth, Ohio State fifth. As far as scoring defense was concerned, well, 
Ohio State led the nation, allowing only 4.3 points per game. Michigan was second, allowing 6.2 points per game, followed by Notre Dame third, 6.6 points per game, Miami of Ohio fourth, 6.9 points per game, and Alabama fifth, 8.1 points per game. Going into bowl weekend, all five of those teams were undefeated, and a sixth Penn State showed up as number eight on scoring defense. So what happened in the bowl games? So going into bowl weekend, there were seven undefeated teams. Follow this. Alabama was number one. They were undefeated 11-0. They were to face Notre Dame, 10-0, who was number three. So that was the Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma was number two at 10-0-1. They did not play in a bowl game. Ohio State was 9-0-1, and they played in the Rose Bowl and faced Southern California. They defeated Southern California 42-21. Drew Man undefeated. Michigan did not play in a bowl game. They finished 10-0-1 after that tie. And the Rose Bowl voted Ohio State in. Michigan was out of the bowl game. That's how the Big Ten worked back then. And Penn State, well, they played in the Orange Bowl. They were 11-0, and they faced LSU, who's number 13. They won 16-9. And that pesky Miami of Ohio team, who's number 16 in the nation. They defeated Florida in the Tangerine Bowl, 16-7. So before we get to the Sugar Bowl, let's recap. Going into that game, there were seven undefeated teams. Well, the Sugar Bowl, it was a meeting between two football giants in the college football world, Alabama and Notre Dame, and the game more than lived up to the billing. There was six lead changes. There was an incredible 90-second span at the beginning of the fourth quarter with three turnovers. And with 426 left on the clock, Notre Dame's Bob Thomas kicks a 19-year-old field goal to put Notre Dame up 24-23. to Now follow this. Alabama's number one. Undefeated, Notre Dame number three, undefeated. Paul Bear Bryant elects to punt the ball with a little over two and a half minutes left in the game. And it was a 69-yard punt that pinned Notre Dame back at their own one-yard line. So he was relying on his defense for a stop so he can get the ball back and kick what would be a national championship winning field goal. Well, what followed was four yards gained on two downs in this penalty that happened and Notre Dame all of a sudden faced third and eight from the own two-yard line. It was two minutes, 12 seconds remaining. Alabama still had two timeouts. Again, follow this. So if they stop Notre Dame on the third and eight, Notre Dame is pinned at the two-yard line, they'd probably get the ball, what, maybe at midfield? And all they needed was a field goal to secure the national championship. Well, on that third down play, Irish quarterback Tom Clemens fakes a handoff, draws back into the end zone, and throws a 35-yard pass to tight end Robin Weber. And that, in turn, secured the national championship for Notre Dame. With that first down, Notre Dame now just ran out the clock. And again, had Alabama stopped them, they likely would have had the ball near midfield after the Irish punt. They had two timeouts. They just needed that field goal to win the national championship. Now let's sort out the final poll of January 3rd. 1973, that final AP poll. Notre Dame finished number one. They were 11-0. This was a Notre Dame team that won 24-23 over Alabama by virtue of a miraculous 35-yard pass out of the end zone with two minutes left in the game. Number two was Ohio State. They were 10-0-1. They, if you recall, had tied Michigan 10-10 in a game that many felt they were outplayed. Number three was Oklahoma. They were 10-0-1. and 
they suffered a 7-7 tie to USC. Number four was Alabama, who had entered the bowl games, right? Number one. They finished 11-1. and one. Had they stopped that third down play and gotten the ball back, they may have gone ahead and won the national championship. There was number five, Penn State, 12-0. and 0. Number six, Michigan, 10-0-1. Oh and, and had Dennis Franklin not broke his collarbone or had the Big Ten vote been different, they most assuredly could have been higher in the rankings. And then there was Miami of Ohio, 11-0, undefeated. Now, as far as other tangibles that go into it, well, Alabama, who ended up number four in the nation, boosted the third highest scoring offense, 41.3 points per game. They were followed by number four, Penn State, 39.2 points per game, and number five, Ohio State, 37.1 points per game. Oklahoma, they were 36.4 points per game as number seven, and number eight was Notre Dame at 35.8 points per game. So phrased another way, Ohio State had the fifth best scoring offense and the leading scoring defense. Alabama had the third best scoring offense and the fifth best scoring defense. Penn State had the fourth best scoring offense and the eighth best scoring defense. Notre Dame had the 10th best scoring offense, third best scoring defense. So in short, trying to determine a national championship among these teams is a difficult, difficult task. Now in the days of the college football playoffs, we'll never see this happen again. But even back in those days, where iconic teams seemed to lead the headlines, there was really never a season quite like this. A season where Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Michigan, and even Miami of Ohio could all lay claim for a national championship. As well, I suppose, as Alabama. Was it the greatest of all time? I don't know. You could make an argument, certainly. I mean, after the bowl games and the dust settled, what did you have? You had six undefeated teams remaining, each with their own claim to be national champions. You had the national champion Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 11-0. They defeated the previously number one undefeated Alabama Crimson Tide in the Sugar Bowl to lay claim to the national championship. You had Ohio State, number two, at 10-0-1. They annihilated USC in the Rose Bowl. 42 to 21 as they finished the season 10 0 and 1. And remember, they had the best scoring defense in the nation. They allowed 4.3 points per game. I mean, think about that four points per game. It was number three, Oklahoma. They finished the season 10 0 and 1. Say for one tie against USC, they would have run the table. They had no bowl game to prove themselves. There was number four, Alabama, 11 and 1. They weren't even undefeated. They entered the bowl game number one, yes, but they lost 24 to 23 on a gamble by Eric Parsegian that paid off from deep in Notre Dame's territory. And how about number five, Penn State, Joe Paterno's team, also undefeated, 12-0. They defeated LSU in the Orange Bowl decisively, 16-9. And then there was Michigan, 10-0-1. Michigan, whose only blemish on the record was a lone 10-10 tie against an Ohio State team that many felt they outplayed. They boasted the second-best scoring defense in the nation, 6.2 points per game. And again, many that watched that game said Michigan was the better team. And I even talked about undefeated, untied Miami of Ohio. Was this the greatest season of all time? I have no idea. But to be honest with you, we all know it will never happen again with the advent of college football playoffs. We all know that this type of excitement, this type of controversy, this time, not in the days of today's glorified flag football football that we see, 
where every inch mattered. When you gained three yards, you rejoiced. It was a different time with teams put forth efforts that ended up in perfection. And there were six of them. Well, this was the story of the 1973 college football season. Thank you for listening to the History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.